Welcome to the Altruistic Libertarian, Advocate for a Generally Free Society. I'm Anthony Wheeler, and today we continue our sequence on the proper role of government. Criticism of Free Markets Criticism of free markets abounds in academic literature. A classic text from the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory reads, and I quote, The Jews are now, this is in 1944, experiencing to their own cost the exclusive, particularist character of capitalism. Unquote. This statement is both dangerous and irresponsible. Capitalism is an economic form. The fascist acts against the Jews were purely political and, de and demonic. Capitalism, by definition, is the act of humans freely exchanging their goods, labor, and services, and doesn't contain with it the means to perpetuate violence. But it gets worse, and I quote, the howling voice of fascist orators and camp commandants shows the other side of the same social condition. The yell is as cold as business. Unquote. Lumping camp, camp commandants with business managers is particularly offensive as it is inappropriate to compare the force required to herd people into concentration camp and kill them with forcing a person to work to support him or herself. The two are utterly different. One is violence and the other is not, and Adorno skirts dangerous shores when he doesn't distinguish them in a meaningful way. The confusion continues in the following statement by Derrida in Philosophy in a Time of Terror, and I quote, By democratic citizenship in providing protection against certain kinds of international violence, that, that is, markets, the concentration of world capital, as well as terrorist violence and the proliferation of weapons." Unquote. In point of fact, market and the concentration of world capital is something, but under no circumstances can it be considered violence without rendering the word violence meaningless. Habermas contributes to the dialogue with the following, and I quote, Without the political taming of an unbounded capitalism, the devastating stratification of world society will remain intractable. The disparities in the dynamic, world, the dynamic of world economic development would have to at least be balanced out regarding their most destructive consequences. The deprivation and misery of complete regions and continents comes to mind." Unquote. The destructive consequences Habermas speaks of are directly related to the lack of rule of law, the lack of societal and or political respect for individuals, particularly women, and the devastation wrought by political regimes that have violently, meaning the use of destructive force against largely helpless humans, ruled these lands and decimated the peoples and the ec ec economies without limit. The Saddam Husseins, the Samosas, all of them, and Idi Amin's are just a few examples from, the rep from representative corners of the globe in recent decades, and if governments without principle have supported these regimes, then they are rightly criticized for doing so, regardless of the particular expediency that seduced those statesmen into such support. Corporations, capital, and markets do not control the means to wield the necessary force or threat of force to perpetuate such ruthless dictatorships. Only governments such as the United States, France, and Britain are capable of it. To the extent that governments with armies, navies, and air forces allow themselves to be influenced by such commercial interests, they are doing so only by betraying their principal responsibility of providing physical defense of their citizens. The notions of political power, 
within a society are exclusively related to the willingness and or the ability to use or threaten to use violent force, whether it be against a common criminal or foreign aggressive states, police in the former, military in the latter. Economic power is utterly different, has no inherent ability to threaten or injure without the explicit support of the state. Executives don't carry guns. Policemen do. The ability to fire someone is no different than a person's right to quit. Notions that influence can somehow be, re- be equated to violence are meaningless. Advertising, commercialization, TV, cultural events, education, all those influences that we may agree with or not, depending on our specific point of view, are but a puff of breeze compared to the hurricane force of political violence. Citizens can freely choose to respond to that which surrounds them. To the extent that they are influenced, not forced, to act in one way or another by social media or alter the behavior or attitude in any way cannot meaningfully be compared to facing an armed policeman and ordered about by a coercive government. The state of current society. No thinking person has ever been satisfied with the current state of society. Even in the golden age of 5th century century Athens, a time almost universally revered as being the epitome of civilization, Plato, perhaps the most influential thinker in history, wrote The Republic, a scathing critique of that very society. And such criticism has never ceased. Arthur Schopenhauer, Friedrich Nietzsche, Thorsten Veblen, Oswald Spengler, H.L. Mencken, Martin Heidegger, Alan Bloom, George Steiner, Jean-Paul Sartre, Michel Foucault, Jacques Derrida, Max Horkheimer, Theodore Adorno, Herbert Marcuse, Walter Benjamin, Jürgen Habermas, Ludwig Wittgenstein, Ayn Rand, Terry Eagleton, Jacques Berzun, the list is endless, have all profoundly criticized society in which they live. George Steiner summarized this reality when he wrote, and I quote, Yet the indistinct intimidation of a lost freedom, or a freedom to, to be gained, yet to be gained, Arcadia behind us, Utopia before hammers at the far threshold of the human psyche. Unquote. At no point in history has consensus ever been achieved as to what is best. Individuals and groups debate politics, religious truth, interpretations of the past, what the future holds, regional uniqueness, the superiority of their generation, the best music, art, and entertainment. Nobody agrees on anything, ever. And in particular, intellectuals have criticized popular culture in every age. The common folk can never quite climb to the cultural heights the superior believe necessary to fully achieve an actualized existence. Considering the pervasive popularity of country music, professional wrestling, reality TV, and fast food, it's hard not to blame them, but the fact is, in a free society, people will pursue that which they value, and nobody has the undisputed insight into the meaning of human life or how best to realize it. All this is said to prove that social criticism criticism is pervasive and unending. Despite this fact, there should be general agreement that the world is better off without polio, tuberculosis, smallpox, and high infant mortality. Needless suffering is simply needless, and to the extent modern society can banish it from the human universe, all the better. In general, more material wealth is better than less. What people do with more time, money, and health is another question, one that each person must answer for themselves. 
Having choices is better than living life without any, and that's what a generally free society provides, choice and opportunity. Businesses provide, businesses provide products and services people need and desire, along with the productive opportunity to earn the privilege of obtaining them. And the more effectively those are provided, the more creatively and cheaply they are produced, the more wealth people will enjoy. In a generally free society, businesses is, is generally agnostic and should remain so. This means they don't decide what is best or what is right or wrong. Individuals do. And the businesses that most effectively support those individual desires will in turn be more successful. In modern free society, people can choose to live alone in, the, in, in a cave in the woods if they wish. They can donate everything they own to charity if that is their desire. Nothing prevents someone in a modern, wealthy society from going without. If someone hates the pervasive connectedness that cell phones represent, they can choose not to carry one. If a person wants to live a purely natural life, that option is open to them as well. If someone craves danger and excitement, they can take a trip down the Amazon on a raft alone, like my cousin did. That should do it. Or they can climb Mount, Mount McKinley without a, without a coat. For most people, living in a modern free society means living without fear or accidental freezing to death or attack from a killing tiger, unless they work in Vegas. In today's world, or a wealthier, freer one, it's always possible to opt for something simpler, closer to nature, say, depending on one's values. For instance, in a genuinely free society, a group of families or like-minded individuals would be free to combine their resources, purchase a large farm, say, and operate under the famous Marxist maxim, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Over time, they can increase their ability to produce their own products, such as clothing or tools. Others who admire their lifestyle can join and steadily increase the size of their community, in theory, without limit. In another example, Muslims could congregate in a similar way and live according to Islamic law, with two possible exceptions. Traditional punishment would be unlawful as it would violate the prohibition against violence. And secondly, any woman who comes of age in such a society would be free to leave if she so desired. And all children would be subject to the nation's laws as well. For those who detest modern life, even those with modest means can live a far simpler one without modern conveniences or contraptions, and formally disconnect from the bustling metropolis. Countless such individuals do so today, quite effectively, in particular, the hundreds of Amish communities that thrive in the U.S. On the other hand, it's simply impossible to choose a more sophisticated and potentially fulfilling existence within a poor, socialistic society, given that such, such options simply don't exist for anyone. Imagine a wealthy person from the distant past, and how poor they would seem today, as they face unavoidable diseases, constant discomfort and danger, rampant ignorance, compared to today, and few distractions to, to mitigate the monotony. For those who long for simpler times, for less wealth, comfort and entertainment, they are welcome to seek such, such a lifestyle for themselves, without insisting the rest of us, through the application of government action, follow suit. As George Orwell said, the poor do not praise poverty. Or John Kennedy Toole in Confederacy of Dunces, and I quote, 
Personally, I have found that a lack of food and comfort, rather than ennobling the spirit, creates only anxiety within the human psyche and channels all of one's better impulses only toward the end of procuring something to eat. Even though I do have a rich inner life, I must have some food and comfort also. Unquote. In times past, people lived terrible lives with few choices. Read Dickens. Study the, the history of Sub-Sahara Africa, or go there today. Poverty may be good for the soul, but not for much else. While some people in the past have worshipped suffering, it's, it's likely they did so in order to make the best of a bad situation. The Buddhists divined the Four Noble Truths, then proceeded to inflict so much pain and misery on themselves that they became inured to it and therefore felt nothing, bringing them one step closer to Nirvana, or otherwise known as perfect nothingness. In the sad past, the church preached paradise, a paradise hereafter and made suicide a mortal sin to keep the flock from collectively taking a final lemming leap. Those fortunate enough to live and work in America today are blessed. Anyone willing to show up, pay attention, and exert themselves can earn a living. And those who wish to work harder, educate themselves, improve their skills, cultivate a talent, can achieve even more virtually without limit. A tremendous range of cultural, social, intellectual, artistic, and community activities are routinely available to anyone wishing to pursue them. One can play guitar in a rock band, learn a foreign language, ride a skateboard or motorcycle, write a book, see a movie, play in a park, or just sit around and watch TV. For those who can't handle so much time and money, and as a result make a mess of their lives, movie stars say, professional athletes, the fault is theirs. There is no excuse for it, and, they lack the, and their lack of character reflects on themselves and not their society. Well, that concludes our show for today. Next time we continue our examination of the proper role of government. Until then, peace.